Greetings, and welcome back to the Highest Court Report podcast. As always, I'm your host, Connor, and thank you for joining me yet again. Today, let's take a look at voting rights. Republican state legislatures have, with surgical, albeit racist, precision, systemically introduced voting suppression resolutions, nearly 300 countrywide as of mid-March, in the United States. So today, let's take a look at what to expect going forward. This is episode five, no votes for you. President Joe Biden is the first Democratic presidential candidate to win the state of Georgia in nearly three decades. He's the first Democrat to win Arizona in nearly a quarter of a century. And both of these former Republican strongholds just sent two Democrats to the United States Senate. So it's probably not that surprising that the GOP lawmakers in these states and elsewhere want to rewrite election laws to prevent Democrats from repeating Biden's success in the near future. According to the Brennan Center for Justice from New York State Law, state lawmakers filed, quote, 253 bills with provisions that restrict voting access, end quote. And this is just in the first seven weeks of 2021, with more likely to come in the future. These bills include longtime staples of conservative anti-voting legislation. Georgia Republicans, for example, appear keen to restrict or even eliminate early voting on Sundays in that state. Why target Sunday, you may ask? The most likely explanation is that black churches frequently hold, quote, souls to the polls, end quote, voter turnout drives on Sundays leading up to the election. So eliminating Sunday voting makes it less likely that black Democrats will cast a ballot. But Republicans in states like Georgia and Arizona also have a new target. They hope to limit or even abolish mail-in voting. According to the Brennan Center, lawmakers in Arizona introduced at least 11 bills that seek to restrict absentee voting in 2021 alone. This new focus on mailed ballots likely stems from the fact that Democrats were much more likely to vote by mail than Republicans in 2020 during the pandemic. An August 2020 poll conducted by five political scientists found that, quote, half of all Democrats said they want to vote by mail this election, while only a quarter of Republicans said that they would, end quote. In Pennsylvania, Democratic voters were nearly three times more likely to vote by mail than Republicans were. In Texas, voters who cast mail-in ballots were about 150% as likely to have voted in a Democratic primary as they were to have voted in a Republican primary. It appears likely that this gap emerged in 2020 because then-President Donald Trump spent much of the year railing against mail-in voting, often fabricating lies about widespread voter fraud in mailed ballots. These lies undoubtedly influenced many Republicans to cast their votes in person, despite the pandemic. Before 2020, however, there was little evidence that greater access to voting by mail 
benefited either party. As political scientist Lee Drutman wrote last May, quote, As states have expanded their use of mail ballots over the last decade, including five states that conducted all mail elections by default, both parties have enjoyed a small but very equal amount in turnout. End quote. Indeed, it's far from clear that restricting voting by mail will actually shift the overall electorate toward the GOP itself. A new study by Stanford University's Democracy and Polarization Lab compared 64-year-old Texas voters to Texans who are just a year older. Texas has an unusual law that allows citizens over the age of 65 to easily vote by mail. However, it doesn't permit voters under 65 to do so. The study actually found that, quote, the proportion of voting 65-year-olds who were Democrats in Texas in 2020 was only slighter larger, 0.2 percentage points, than the proportion among voting 64-year-olds, despite the much larger rate of absentee voting among 65-year-olds, end quote. That suggests that restricting absentee voting will only have a marginal impact on partisan turnout rates, if it actually has any impact whatsoever. Republicans have not yet rallied behind one plan to limit mail-in voting. In Georgia, for instance, State House Speaker David Ralston, a Republican, said that, quote, somebody's got to make a real strong case, end quote, to convince him to bar many Georgians from voting absentee. Though the State House recently passed lesser restrictions on absentee voting. A memo co-authored by Democratic campaign consultant Dylan Sumner and Republican consultant Mark Zubili argues that broad access to voting by mail, quote, benefits both parties and both should push laws that make vote by mail more accessible. Republican pollster Patrick Ruffini offered a similar view on Twitter shortly after the 2020 election. But many Republican lawmakers appear to be betting that Democratic voters will essentially continue to make more likely use of ballots and that making it harder to vote by mail will make it less likely that Democrats will actually vote thereby making it easier for Republicans to gain more votes. This seems a bit ironic considering the nature of Republican voting stance as it stands. These Republicans, in other words, appear quite eager to enact new voting restrictions even if there's only a chance that doing so will benefit the GOP. And that's quite terrible news for democracy, even if it doesn't turn out to be a significant burden on the Democratic Party itself. Now, the U.S. House recently passed an ambitious voting rights bill that would arrest and stop many of these attempts by state lawmakers to limit the franchise. But this bill has little chance of becoming law unless Senate Democrats unite to reform the filibuster to enable voting rights legislation to pass by a simple majority vote. As we all maybe are aware, 
Kirsten Cinema at all are not really, <laughs> including Mansion, are not really trying to change the filibuster writ large. The question of whether Republican state lawmakers will succeed in restricting the franchise rests largely with conservative Democrats, as aforementioned, like Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema from Arizona, who have thus far been unwilling to abolish the filibuster. Now, this is notwithstanding the fact that Manchin recently expressed openness to weakening the filibuster without eliminating it, as long as it, quote, gave more pain, end quote, to the process itself, i.e. actually having to stand on the floor and not just having to send an email out via some staff member. State lawmakers have introduced a variety of bills seeking to make it much harder to vote, and these bills cover a wide range of topics. At least 18 states have bills that would impose stricter voter ID requirements on voters themselves. For example, including an Arizona bill that would require voters to show one of a short list of government-issued ID photos and IDs in order to vote. Voter ID laws are a common voter restriction that are often feared by many Republicans. Proponents of such legislation claim it helps prevent voter fraud at the polls, but this kind of fraud is so rare that it virtually is non-existent. Now, it is likely that Republican lawmakers would have introduced these sorts of bills regardless of what happened in the 2020 election. The Supreme Court gave the green light to voter ID laws in 2008, and it permitted at least some forms of voter purchase in 2018. So state lawmakers had a fair amount of leeway, essentially, to restrict voting long before the pandemic led millions of Americans to vote by mail for the first time in 2020. The new element of 2021 is an array of bills seeking to restrict voting by the mail. Currently, at least 34 states and the District of Columbia either mail a ballot automatically to all, all registered voters in the state itself or allow any voter to request an absentee ballot without having to explain why they want one. Now, this latter category of states are known as quote-unquote no-excuse absentee voting states. Arizona and Georgia are both no-excuse states, so they do not provide mail-in ballots automatically to all voters, but any voter can request one. Now, at least nine states currently have bills that would either eliminate no-excuse absentee voting or make existing limits on who can vote absentee stricter. An Arizona bill would permit absentee voting, quote, only if the elector is physically unable to cast a ballot within the period for early voting, or has a physical disability, is confined to a nursing home or other similar facility, is on military duty, or is temporarily residing outside of the state." End quote. A similar bill in Georgia would prevent 
most new Georgia voters from voting by mail unless they are overseas or elderly or have a disability. Some state bills make it harder to sign up or remain on a state's permanent absentee voter list, i.e. a list of voters who automatically receive their ballots in the mail every election without having to actually reapply. An Arizona bill would essentially eliminate the permanent list entirely within that state. Other bills impose burdensome obligations on absentee voters, such as an Arizona bill that would require all ballots returned by mail to be notarized, or a Georgia bill that forbids election officials from collecting absentee ballots in drop boxes. It's still early in the year, so it remains to be seen just how many of these bills will actually be signed into law. But there's good reason to believe that at least some of them will be enacted. Last week, for example, the Georgia House passed a lengthy elections bill that eliminates most Sunday voting. Now, this is although the fact that counties have the option of allowing Sunday voting on one weekend though it imposes voter ID requirements on absentee voters, and it drastically limits the use of drop boxes to collect ballots. It would also ban line warming, whereby volunteers offer water, chairs, and other essential items at the time to those waiting in line. The state Senate version of this bill, which was passed just a few weeks ago, is even more restrictive of voting rights. Among other things, it would end no-excuse absentee voting. Now, it's worth noting that this latest round of restrictive voting bills does not include what is likely to be one of the most important election-related issues debated by state legislatures in 2021, and that is redistricting. The Constitution requires that states redraw their congressional and state legislative districts every 10 years to account for population shifts and the like. But the census is not expected to release the data needed to draw such maps until late September of 2021. So an inevitable fight over gerrymandering in many states will have to wait until the fall. There's quite a bit of evidence that increased access to mail ballots did not favor either party in 2020. A June 2020 study by four Stanford University researchers, for example, is titled, quote, Universal Vote Vote by Mail Has No Impact on Partisan Turnout or Vote Share, end quote. And this study is fairly typical of the scholarship in such a space. This study finds that in states which automatically mail a ballot to every registered voter, voting by mail, modestly increases participation while not not giving any advantage whatsoever to either party. Yet most, but not all, of this scholarship studied voter behavior before President Trump spent much of 2020 falsely accusing Democrats of using mail-in ballots to steal an election. And there is some evidence that Trump's lies may have 
a somewhat lasting effect on how partisans view voting by mail. A January 2021 paper by the COVID States Project, which is a joint project by Harvard, Northeastern, Northwestern, and Rutgers universities, respectively, found that, quote, Republicans were much more worried than Democrats were about mail-in voter fraud, 80% versus 32%. And it also highlighted a slightly older survey that finding that Democrats are much more likely than Republicans to support increasing access to mail ballots, end quote. So, it's entirely possible that Democrats will continue to use mail-in ballots at a much higher rate than Republicans in upcoming elections. And that means that Republicans' attempts to limit access to such ballots could wind up giving a partisan advantage to the GOP itself. Republican lawmakers who hope to restrict voting by mail face some risks if they actually do so. The Summer Zubilee memo argues that, quote, the decisive factor, end quote, allows Biden to win Arizona in 2020 was Republicans abandoning no-excuse vote by mail. Other research suggests that while restricting absentee ballots might make voting less convenient for many Americans, it won't actually benefit the GOP because voters will just cast their ballots in person. Now, as aforementioned, Texas is one of a handful of states that discriminate on the basis of age when determining who may vote absentee. Voters over the age of 65 are allowed to request an absentee ballot, but most voters under that age are required to vote in person. The researchers at Stanford's Democracy and Polarization Lab compared turnout among 65-year-olds in Texas's 2020 elections, that is, voters who were eligible to vote absentee, to the turnout rates among 64-year-olds who mostly could not vote by mail. They found that 65-year-olds in Texas turned out in 2020 at almost exactly the same rate as 64-year-olds, even though roughly 18% of 65-year-olds voted absentee when only 3% of 64-year-olds voted absentee. While absentee voting among 65-year-old Texans did increase in 2020, that increase was offset by less in-person voting by voters in the same age cohort. The result was that even though Democrats were more likely to vote absentee than Republicans, turnout among 65-year-old Democrats was only marginally higher than it was among 64-year-old Democrats. The proportion of voting 65-year-olds were Democrats in Texas in 2020 was only 0.2 percent points higher than the proportion among 64-year-olds in that same state. Now, I realize there is a great deal of data present in what I'm showing you here, but bear with me. So while this study suggests that Democrats were more likely than Republican to vote by mail if given the opportunity to do so, it does not suggest that Democrats are significantly more likely to vote if they can cast an absentee ballot. 
As David Shore, a Democratic data guru and veteran of the 2012 Obama campaign, stated, quote, even though COVID made Democrats use vote by mail at higher rates, in-person voting declined by the same amount and the overall effect on the partisan composition of the electoral was null, end quote. Indeed, according to Shore, Trump slightly overperformed in states that saw the sharpest rises in voting by mail during the 2020 election. Quote, if you look at the seven states that went from having very little vote by mail to having massive amounts, they trended about 0.2% toward Trump relative to the other 43 states, end quote. Shore emphasized that more research needs to be done on the impact of voting by mail on partisan turnout. There's going to be more complex echometric analysis down the road, he stated. But his sense that states probably can't change the way that partisan makeup of the electorate by making it harder to vote by mail was shared by Charles Stewart, a political scientist at MIT. Stewart stated that there is very little that politicians can do to alter election administration in such a way that it would have a permanent, obvious effect on turnout or the composition of said electorate, end quote. Now, in any event, more research needs to be done to determine, with any amount of certainty, whether liberal vote-by-mail regimes favor Democrats. But the research that does exist suggests that efforts to restrict absentee voting may not wind up benefiting the GOP itself and such legislation may not make voting more inconvenient or convenient for any Democrat. But that does not mean that those Democrats won't vote in person. And with all that said, restricting the franchise will make it more difficult for many Americans to exercise their most important right, the right to vote. The 2022 midterms are more than a year and a half away, so state lawmakers still have plenty of time to enact voting restrictions that go far beyond anything that's currently on the table in places like Georgia or Arizona. And there's a significant chance that the Supreme Court, with its heavy 6-3 Republican majority, will give state legislatures more authority than they've had in recent past to place obstacles in the way of Democratic voters. For instance, last week, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in Brnovich v. Democratic National Committee, a major Voting Rights Act case that could actually strip away many federal safeguards against racist election laws. In Brnovich, both a legal team representing the Arizona Republican Party and Arizona's Republican Attorney General, Mark Burnovich, asked the court to essentially embrace such a narrow reading of the Voting Rights Act that federal law would effectively no longer provide meeting protection against race discrimination 
in said elections. To be fair, several key justices appeared unlikely to go that far during Tuesday's oral arguments, but this case is still a looming threat to voting rights, and a decision is likely to be handed down in June. So if the court does not narrow the Voting Rights Act significantly, even though it's already been rendered dead for many months now, Republican lawmakers could gain broad, brand new powers to target black and brown communities that tend to vote for Democrats. Now, sadly, a potentially even greater threat to voting rights is a legal doctrine embraced by at least four members of the current makeup of the Supreme Court known as the, quote, independent state legislature, end quote, doctrine. This doctrine, which the Supreme Court rejected in a long line of cases stretching back more than a century, provides that state legislatures get to decide how a state conducts federal elections, potentially at the expense of state governors and a state's judiciary. As Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote in an opinion last fall, quote, the Constitution provides that state legislatures, not federal judges, not state judges, not state governors, not other state officials, bear primary responsibilities for setting election rules. End quote. In its most extreme form, the independent state legislature doctrine forbids governors from vetoing state laws governing federal elections. Now, this is because the governor is not the legislature, to be fair. And it forbids state courts from enforcing state constitutional safeguards against voter suppression because a court is not the legislature. It is unclear whether the Supreme Court will embrace this most extreme form of the doctrine. Indeed, it is not clear if these five votes to implement this doctrine in any form will actually take effect. Currently, four justices have endorsed it, while four others have indicated that they will not overrule the long line of cases rejecting the independent state legislature doctrine under the auspices of what is known as stare decisis. And despite the fact that the Roberts Court has often disregarded, not even disregarded, but has blatantly thrown aside case law that has actually resided in what should be known as current case law. The fate of the doctrine rests with, unfortunately, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, a conservative Trump appointee who has yet to weigh in on whether she supports it or not, just like how she doesn't think about whether or not climate change is real, for instance. Now, should five justices embrace this doctrine, the consequences would be profound. 
It could potentially prevent Democratic governors in swing states like Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania from vetoing voter suppression laws enacted by a Republican legislature. And it could give Republican state legislatures carte blanche to draw gerrymandered maps, even in states whose constitutions forbid such gerrymandering. This is also sad considering the fact that the federal government has yet to, as well as the Supreme Court, has yet to actually demand a change and a protection against such gerrymandering. The new round of attacks on voting rights generally and on voting by mail in particular, in other words, is unlikely to be the last attempt to curtail voting rights before the 2022 midterms. State lawmakers have a great deal of time to legislate before the next major elections. And the Supreme Court could make it much easier for them to restrict franchise in the very near future. Thank you again for joining us today, and I hope you have enjoyed the show. This is the Highest Court Report, and yet again, I am Connor, your host. Please join us again when you have the chance, and please stay safe out there. This is Connor signing off. Good night.